Hello, book lovers, dear listeners. Welcome to the Little Pages League with me, Shanda Montail. This is the podcast where we meet with children's book authors. Now let's dive in backstage into the magic of storytelling. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Today I am talking with children's book author, Kai Aspeland. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Very welcome, Kai. So, I believe you are tuning in from Texas. Yes, I am. Fate, Texas. It's 108 degrees outside right now. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that is hot. Yeah, we've had a pretty bad heat wave the last couple of weeks. We, we just had a downpour like I've never seen it in Ireland, you know, kind mm-hmm. of continental monsoon. I don't know what is happening, but it lasts 10 minutes and then it's bright skies. Yeah. It, I checked it out. The town, is it a town or a city? This is where I'm at is, Fate is mostly a suburb. It's part of a area called Rockwall. Rock, Rockwall is a pretty big city. Okay. We're not far from, we're about 40 minutes from Dallas, but we're part of the Dallas. Oh, wow. We're part of the Dallas area. Okay. Now I see. I had never heard of it. So we are here today so that I know you have a a book coming out. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but tell us more about where did you grow up? I grew up on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. My mom is part Hawaiian. That's how I got my name. I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. So I grew up on the ocean. We, we had a beach house. My backyard was the Pacific Ocean. So I came home from school every day and went swimming. And left the islands in 98 to go to art school. And now I'm married with three kids in Texas. And did you go to college in Texas? No, I went to college. I went to the Academy of Art in San Francisco. Okay. That sounds wonderful. So you must know Lard Hamilton, is this his name? I've had, I've been around him a couple of times, but I don't really know him. I've seen him at places, been within 10, 15 feet of him. I maybe shook hands with him once, but you know, he wouldn't remember me if he, he's a pretty big name surfer. Yes, yeah. he's the original surfer boy, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's one. The big way. Yeah, he pioneered yeah. a bunch of stuff, yes. Indeed. And do you surf then yourself? It would be almost inevitable, isn't it, I, if you grew up in there? Yes, I surf. I wouldn't call myself a surfer, I, but I do surf. Surfers live for it. If there's big waves, then everything ends and they go surfing. I didn't do that, but I did enjoy surfing. Okay, because he, he, Hamilton, I think, is being spotted in Nazaré, the famous Portuguese beach, where there was a record a couple of years ago by a surfer that I can't recall the name now, but he's going to Portugal for the big waves. Oh yeah, he goes worldwide for that stuff. I know he's found places in the middle of the ocean to go surf at, so it's pretty crazy. Yes. And tell me about your inspiration and your heroes, because you are an illustrator and a writer. Am I correct? Correct. Growing up in Hawaii, we, I didn't have a lot of bookstores or places near me. And so I got comic books off the drugstore shelf. That was the only place you could get them. And so I grew up reading comic books. And my first uh, hero as an artist was a comic book artist named John Byrne, Canadian artist. And he's just, to this day, he's still my favorite hands down artist that I've ever seen. Is he the same chap that he was inspired by? Is it Lee, the illustrator from the Lord of the Rings illustrated versions? And he has connections with, is it Man of Steel? He, I, I don't know about the Lord of the Rings artist, but I do know that he did do Man of Steel. I think... Because he was the main artist when they changed, when it went from Superman to the Man of Steel series in the comic books. Yes, I know his work. He's fantastic. But what is it about him that you love? To me, growing up, I thought his stuff was the most dynamic. I loved his, 
the best way I could put it is of all the artists that I had seen growing up from the comic books I read, his were the most, um, which I came to figure this out later in life, but it was the most cinematic, cinematic um, framework that he was doing. He would change camera angles up and down into the side wide. You know, it was more cinematic. And I think that the angles that he drew were just so fascinating to me because I drew everything that flat. And so I, I just copied his art for hours and redraw his drawings for hours and hours. Good practice. Good practice. He, he obviously is very film directed, isn't he? I think so. In his work. I think so. Yes. And what about what events in daily life inspire your illustrations the most? Events in daily life. I'm, not, I, I'm just a fan of monsters and superheroes and sci-fi paranormal stuff like that. And so I have been drawing monsters and stuff since I was a kid. I've just always found them fascinating. And I've had a wild imagination since I was a kid. And I always thought drawing people was kind of boring. And so I knew what people looked like. Instead, I like to make up my own monsters and superheroes and things. And that's probably what drew me to comic books in the first place was the fantasy aspect of the whole thing. So that the characters can have a face that you can imagine as in opposed to what you can see. Yeah, I mean, I, eventually I, I draw people and everything, but I just always found monsters and stuff more fascinating because I could do all kinds of weird stuff. They can have wings or tentacles or just stuff that humans didn't have. And I love that aspect of drawing that. So everything I do is kind of monster themed. From the imagination. Yes. Wonderful. So what, walk me through your creative process. Well, a lot of times I'll just sit and sketch over and over again. I got sketch piles of sketchbooks sitting around filled with drawings. And sometimes I'll go back to them and redraw something I think is really cool. Other times I'll sit down with an idea and I'll just decide I want to draw a monster with tentacles and I'll just start sketching. And then I, a lot of times I allow whatever to come out is what just comes out. But when I'm doing my book illustrations, I kind of have an idea of where I want to go. So I'll sit down and do a bunch of thumbnails first. Once I get the thumbnails sketched out, I'll, a lot of times I'll scan those and bring them onto my iPad or into my computer. And then I'll do a kind of a tracing sketch of it to get the shapes all right and make sure I've got my composition and everything good. And then I'll start working on a final drawing. And then I start my color process. And my color process is usually I'll start putting in a, a mid-tone background and then just start filling in color and value from there. And what tools do you use if you do them on the iPad? I've transitioned recently to the iPad. I found, I got an iPad and I got an Apple Pencil and there's a program called Procreate. And I started messing around with Procreate and I just found it to be, I've worked with Photoshop since Photoshop 3 way back in 1989 or maybe 90, whenever Photoshop 3 came out. And I've been working with it since then. That was before you could even paint in it. It was still really just a photo editor. And I found Procreate and I just fell in love with it. It was so intuitive. I love being able to draw and use my fingers to do, to spin and stuff rather than having to stop, grab a mouse, rotate things hit keys. I can just do it all with my fingers. And for myself, it was so much more intuitive. And I think Procreate is, for painting wise, is just as powerful as any of those big painter or Photoshop or anything. It's an amazing program. And is it Mac dedicated? I believe it is. It, yeah, I believe it's just Apple Mac stuff. I, right. I don't know if you can get it on Android. You can't get it on PC. I know that. As of, as uh -huh. of right now that I know of, you can't get it. That's how Steve Jobs started, wasn't it? To create products for artists. So I'm sure he would be happy <laughs> with your little review. Yes. Well, I found that there's a ton of artists that I, I know. I, I, I have a lot of artist friends. And more and more of them are going to procreate. A couple of them have done a couple of children's books. They're not children's books authors, or I'm sorry, artists per se. They uh -huh. do stuff. But a few of them have done illustrations for children's books and they've all started going to Procreate. And there was a few of them saying, dude, you got to try Procreate, try Procreate. So when I finally did, I was like, goodness, I love this program. 
So did you do your first children's book, the one about the zombies with Procreate? No, I did not. That one I did in Photoshop. That was before I, before, I never planned to go further in the first book. That was, it was COVID. I got laid off from work, nothing to do, hanging with my son. And he was my inspiration for that book. And so I did my zombie book and I did that completely in Photoshop. Which is fantastic, by the way. I, I thought it was so surprising, you know, because I got it. And I read it and I thought, you know, this is going to be a mad zombie story. And then he had kind of a wonderful message. Did you intend to give that message? No, not at all. I never intend to give a message. I, I set out every time to just write something fun for kids. I try not to put a message. But when you're writing children's stories, I think when, I'm, when you're writing for that picture book age group, I think it's actually a, kind of difficult not to have some kind of lesson in there, even if it's relatively minor and so that just came out at the end and when I was finished with the book I was like oh gee there is a lesson in this I I never set out I never intended for it yeah it's more than a lesson I thought it was like a reminder you know because I, I do see the pressure in the kids in school to fit in and all of this I, I won't spoil it too much I, I thought it was wonderfully you know it came across wonderfully I was surprised <laughs> at the end of it and yeah it worked out beautifully and now that you got procreate and you're doing a second children's book aren't you i have a second picture book it's called blurry that's already out and then i've started i have three picture books in my hopper right now and three middle grade novels wow is one of them about skeletons. Yes, I've got one I'm working on about skeletons. I've been, this was the original story I wanted to do. And I, I'm hung up on the skeleton designs. Really? It's being proved more difficult. <laughs> Every, I get very stuck on the designs of the characters sometimes. And until I settle down and figure out, yes, that's what I like. I don't move any forward. I know exactly what's going to happen in the book. I have 99% of it thumbnailed and ready to go. I've got the human characters design. The skeletons are right now just confounding me. So when do you get a drawer's block? What do you do to solve it? Well, if I, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll look through my, I have a very extensive art book collection and I'll just start thumbing through books. And a lot of times it's not anything related to the subject or even the style. I'll just start drawing. If I can't break through on that, a lot of times I listen to Binaural Beats for creativity. There's tons of resources. What what are they? So Binaural Beats are primarily, they're all instrumental. There's no, there's no vocals in them and they're tones and beats. So it's been proven scientifically that certain hertz of sound can affect the human body positively, negatively, or not at all. And so there are very specific hertz that they program it and those are, it's supposed to stimulate your brain for creativity or just like allowing you to get past whatever block. So I use those a lot of times for writing and for um, my drawing blocks. And you can just get on YouTube and type in binaural beats for creativity and they have it for all kinds of stuff. But I primarily listen to the creativity ones and it's, my brain doesn't focus on lyrics or beat or rhythm or any of that stuff. And so it allows your brain, you're hard to explain, but when you're listening to it, you're not really, okay. you're not, you can hear it, but you're not focusing on it. It still allows your brain to do everything it needs to do. Where if I'm listening to something with vocals or I'll start, you know, the drum beat or whatever, or start singing along, then you're not concentrating on what you need to do. So the binaural beats help a lot. So they are special. I never heard about them. So you have to search by whatever you want them to do. Say you're looking for those beats for creativity. You need to search on YouTube and specify that it's for creativity. Not, Is that how you search? No, if you can look them up. Just look up binaural beats. It's B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L, I believe, binaural beats. If you just uh -huh. search up binaural beats, you can find, they have whole page. That's all the YouTube page is for is binaural beats and you can just search through it. I know there's certain ones I like, so I have them already bookmarked 
and they're all for creativity. I can just go into my bookmarks and just, I like this one, put it on and start working. Okay. So which piece on your portfolio are you most proud of? What do you mean, which piece? Do you have a favorite piece of art that you've produced? Uh, this one behind me, it's a drawing of a horse that I did. It's a hyper-realistic drawing. Indeed, it's spectacular. That's, a lot of detail. That's what I went to school for, was to be a fine artist. So I do a lot of fine art painting. I can draw people where it looks like a photograph. And I like to oil paint. And I like to go out with friends. And we go out on location through rivers and stuff and go paint the river and things like that with oil paint. Okay, That's one so of well, them. But I would have to say for my children's book stuff, it would be the zombie book. Just because getting through it for me and getting all that artwork done in a medium that I'm not used to was big for me. So I'm super proud of that one, even though it's not my best work. Because my illustration style is starting to adjust as I'm getting better and better with Procreate. So what kind of difficulty are you having with these skeletons? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I am trying to figure out believe it or not the teeth are driving me insane and i'm trying right. to figure out how to incorporate i want them at the beginning of the book to be they when they first emerge i want them to be scary but not terrifying and then but i want to be able to keep that same illustration and later in the book they're no longer scary so i'm trying to find that balance where at the beginning of the book, I want the child to be like, oh no, what's going to happen? And then at the end, oh, hey, skeletons, skeletons, they're great, you know? Okay, that's wonderful. And do you think that because you have obviously a, a background in fine art painting, children's books are very, very different medium. How has that evolved for you? Well, I always drew... So even like my comic book art, while it's a simpler style, you know, when they draw Superman, Superman's drawn, he's drawn realistically. It's, he's proportional. He looks like a person, you know, and everything fits correctly. Well, children's books can be very, very stylized. You could have really long. It, a lot of stuff is basic shapes, circles, squares, and triangles. So switching from something hyper-realistic like this to a simplified style for me, was way, way out of my comfort zone. And I agonized for a long time before I finalized all the character designs for the zombie book. And when I finally did, I was like, okay, okay this is, this is, I like this. I can go with this. This is good. And so I'm still trying to evolve my style to understand how to draw cartoony. Cause I have friends who can do it without thinking. And I have to think really hard where sometimes there's smoke coming out of my ears, <laughs> trying to adjust from Super hyper-realistic to super simple. Yeah. Simplicity is difficult, isn't it? it that's what it can you be. find. The, and the, yeah. With Zen, that's what you learn. Simplicity is very hard. Just because I'm probably only going to put the audio out first and people cannot see what I'm looking at. It's an absolutely fantastic, super realistic head of a horse. Do you have horses around you? Of course, in Texas, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we've got, there's uh, tons of horses just right down the street. But I, we lived in a place not far from here originally, a few years back. And our backyard was literally a, was a horse corral. So the horses were out every day eating in the field. And so I would go out there. I loved going out there on weekend mornings and just watching them while I drank a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. But I just find horses are just, an animal I find absolutely beautiful and fascinating. And so I, to draw them for me was just very easy because I just, I just think they're so fascinating. And they I've are... never ridden a horse or owned one. <laughs> right, you haven't. Okay, because, yeah, they have a, an incredible muscle structure, isn't it? Yes. You can see their muscles everywhere. They are beautiful, yes. And tell me, with, with the, this business of AI coming into the four, what, what do you think? Would, would it help you? Do you use anything else, any other programs that help you that have AI? Or what do you think is going to happen to artists? What's going to happen to artists? I'm not sure. Do I use AI? 
I use AI every day. Alexa is AI. Siri is AI. My word processor has AI that tells me when I've got a sentence that the grammar is incorrect or I've got my punctuation wrong. That's all types of AI. I try to tell my, my, my wife and I were literally just having this conversation a few days ago about where AI is leading us. And I keep telling her, you know, I've, I'm using a little bit for my writing. I, I find it to be an, an amazing tool to help you get through. So when I was writing my middle grade novel, I got to a point in the book where I was trying to explain something and I didn't know how to explain it. So I typed this long convoluted paragraph out and I stuck it in and I said, rephrase this for me. Cause I was like, I really don't know. I'm trying to explain this character's feeling and facial expression. And I don't know how, and when it popped out, I couldn't use it, but it gave me the words and the ideas I needed to figure out the sentence properly and go, okay. That's exactly what I wanted to say. So then I was able to sit down and reword it. And I don't think that's any different than sending your stuff to an editor. Because an editor is going to look at it and do the same thing. This is just having a computer help me get past a few things. For the art-wise, I'm not sure. I think it's amazing what some of these art AI programs can do. I've, I've messed around with them a little bit. And I think at some point, it may seem like it's going to take over. And there may be a few companies who switch to it, but you're still going to always want the computer will only the be human the human touch. The computer will always only be able to do whatever it can find. So if they're saying, hey, go on every art piece you can find on the internet, it can only copy the styles it sees. But styles are always evolving and someone else always comes out with some original style or way they draw. It's always going to be a human that does that. So I doubt that I don't see that those. AI softwares are anywhere near being able to start being that creative. It might be able to blend a few, but it'll never be able to think up on its own and go, oh, here's a whole new style I'm going to create. At least I don't Absolutely. think so. I have a ton of art friends and I have some who are very, nope, AI's got to go. It's going to take all our jobs. And I have others who are like, eh, it's just going to be another tool. How it's all going to work out, I don't see, but I'm on the, it's going to just end up being a useful tool. Yes, I would agree with you. And I do use it in the same way you described it. And I also use it for ads, doing ads. It makes, you know, it will give you immediately 10 sentences yeah. to put on your ad. Because they're tricky and you have to really think about them. And then you can tweak it exactly. to suit your needs. Yeah, no, I agree. Agree with you. How do you incorporate your own experiences and emotions into your art? I've been thinking about this a little bit. I, it's hard to tell because I don't think, I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to word this. I think for me, it's a lot more of a subconscious thing. I think all the stories I write and how I deal with the situations they're in, when I'm done with it, I'm kind of like, okay, that kind of was my experience. I have a little experience with this. I don't know. I, I never sit down and try to like, oh, uh, this thing happened to me. I want to write about it. I'm not, I'm not sure how to explain this, but I just think it's a subconscious thing in my art that is because I love monsters and stuff so much that that's what comes out. Just, I'm fascinated with it. I'm always thinking about them. I love reading books about monsters, watching movies about monsters, cartoons, whatever it is looking at other artists who draw monsters. So that's just kind of my, my kids grew up watching me draw monsters. So that by the time they were all five or six years old, that's all they want to draw is they watch daddy do it every single day. So that is great. Isn't it lead, lead by example. Yeah. My kids were, you know, Halloween here for us, my family was like our Super Bowl. We love Halloween. All my kids love it. They all love doing the spooky thing. You get to be spooky one time a year. <laughs> Absolutely. And what about the writing part? How is your process? Fuck. I assume you, you write first and then you get into the drawing. What does your writing process look like? It's, I've had a couple of things come out of just the drawing. I drew a picture of the Mothman for my second book. And it's, he's, he's on a single page. And that drawing inspired me to write a whole book. So that book's written. I've already started thumbnailing it. When it comes to my middle grade stuff, I just, stories just pop in my head. I'm always asking myself, what if? I listen to a lot of podcasts about paranormal and supernatural stuff because I'm just fascinated by it. I love it. It's fun. And I also just, I don't like 
listening to stuff about the real world because the real world can be super depressing sometimes. So I'm like, oh, if none of this is real, who cares? It's still a fun story. And we're, we're all, humans are just story driven. Everything we have is stories. From our TV shows mm-hmm. to our radio to our news every night, it's just stories. And so I always have a story that I, I want to tell. And sometimes I get an idea. Sometimes it's, I've had, I've, I've written books just from a title, thinking up a title. I've written books. One of the books I've written was from listening to a podcast that gave me an idea and I generated an entire story out of it. Which one was the podcast? I listened to podcast, not child, this is for children's books, but this podcast is not children safe. It's called the Kryptonaut podcast. Right. And they're, they're guys around my age and they're fun to listen to, but yeah, parents might not want to put it on around the kids just because of the language. <laughs> sure, hardcore, yeah. but it's good for your inspiration. So tell me about the book that you've written that came from a drawing. That one is out already? No, I'm working on that one now. I'm going to, I've got one that I'm going to be announcing anytime now is going to be up for pre-sale very soon. That's my first middle grade novel. And then the, I'm going to try to have out a couple more children's picture books by next year. Right now, I'm in the process of oh. getting ready to launch a book, and I'm writing copy and preparing and, emails and all that kind of stuff. So this is the middle grade, the one that's coming out yes. now. Yeah, this, no, th- that's not, and what, this one is, the one I've got coming out is called Middle Grade Monster Hunter. It, okay. It's about a kid that goes to school and finds out his school's infested with monsters, and it, nobody knows about it, but everybody, everybody kind of knows about it, but nobody acknowledges it. Because people know there's weird stuff going on, but no one understands it. But he gets into the world of, okay, this is all real. We got to protect the school, but we can't tell anyone. And so I, I, I wanted it to be like a secret society for 12-year-olds, I suppose. That, that That's what they do. They secretly hunt monsters at the school and keep all the students and staff safe. S- sounds very cool to me. And is there anything on any of the characters that is based on yourself. Yes, all the, all the characters are, none of the characters are based on me. Uh, in middle grade Monster Hunter, there's a main girl character and she's based on a, pretty much my daughter. Uh-huh. My daughter is a very independent, strong-willed, and uh, she's a super go-getter. She wants something, she goes and gets it and she's got this attitude of, if I'm gonna do something, I wanna be the best. And so she's, everything she does, she very quickly rises to the top because she's just got this attitude of, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the absolute best I can. And so that's how I've made this. How old is she? She's 12, which is why I started writing novels for middle graders because I wanted to, I'm trying to write to their age groups as my children get older. Absolutely. Yes. So you can accompany them. That is a wonderful way to go about it. Hello, I'm taking a wee break to let you know how important your support is through this journey. If you can, visit my Patreon, which has a Little Pages League podcast tier, or you can search directly the Fountain app for Little Pages League podcast. Every little kindness will help me greatly. Thank you. And now, let's get back to the episode. And what about, you know, being an artist, you never stop learning. How do you go about learning more? Or if you want to learn a new technique, do you use YouTube? Or would you have an artist in mind and go and look for them? Or I think I do both of those things. But YouTube these days, I wish I had YouTube as a kid. But YouTube didn't exist. Because you can get a, I think there's an amazing amount of fantastic artists on YouTube who show you how to do their process, how to work. But also having worked in the film and I worked in the video game and feature film animation industry. I was, I worked on several animated movies as an artist and Uh working with some amazing artists. I got to spend a lot of time with them and I think come up with your own style. You don't need fancy brushes or fancy programs. I used probably maybe three brushes overall 
when I'm using Procreate, a hard, a soft, and a real fuzzy brush. And that's pretty much it. And then I have a couple fancy brushes that I occasionally bust out, but I only use them for a moment. And there's so many people who think, oh, if I get this fancy brush, it's going to make me a better artist. Just draw every day. If I'm not on, if I'm not on my iPad drawing, I'm on my, I'm in a sketchbook drawing with pencils. And tell me more about those animations. Are they known? Yes. The animations you worked on? Yeah, I worked on one that came out. I worked on the Scoob movie, the latest Scooby-Doo movie from around 2020. I worked on a movie called Rock Dog. And then I worked on one of the Sherlock, I'm not, one of the Gnomes movies. There was like three or four of them. I worked on one of them. I think it was Sherlock Gnomes. Okay. And then I worked on the one that just came out. 2022 called Rumble about giant monsters that wrestle. Very appropriate material <laughs> for you. Yeah, and I'm a giant fan of Scooby Doo. So when I worked on the Scooby Doo movie, that was a huge dream for me because Scooby Doo is one of my big inspirations. I still, with my kids, we, I've got them watching Scooby Doo and we'll all watch it together all the time. I'm still, I'm 53 and I'm still watching Scooby Doo. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. What about. Would you be able to describe your style of, obviously, as a fine art, you're, you know, you can do super mm-hmm. realistic stuff, but as an illustrator of books, how would you describe your style? Oh, I've never thought of that. <laughs> My style. I always just use the word cartoony and I don't think I currently have a style because I'm still trying to nail one down. I have friends who have a style. I have one who's got a very sleek style, one who's got a very bubbly style. So I can give them words because they've I've known them forever from school and they still draw exactly the same and they just, they do fantastic work. And each of them draws completely different than the one before. I don't draw like any of them. I have always just tried to draw like me and I just do what's comfortable for me and what I think looks good. Currently, I'm still working my style, which is probably why I'm so hung up on those skeletons right now. I'm not, I really don't have a style just yet. So if, imagine you were going to be stuck on a desert island and you could only bring one book and three art materials, what would it be? Ooh, one book. Let me get, think about the book for a moment. Of three art materials, that's easy. I'd bring oil paint, a brush to paint with the oils and some Gamsol to clean up the oils when I'm done so I don't ruin the brush. And I can paint oil on anything. I don't need a canvas. I can paint on rocks, trees, <laughs> whatever's around. Oh, wonderful. Book. That's a good one. I would say my favorite book of all time, which probably isn't the best book to have on a deserted island, it was Jaws by Peter Benchley. What did you love about it? I had seen the movie as a kid, and growing up in Hawaii, it terrified me. I was about eight or nine when I saw it, and I was terrified of the water for years, after, even the pool, after I saw Jaws. You know, in 1978, whenever it came out, there wasn't, there weren't really ratings. I don't think PG-13 or any of that stuff existed yet. So parents were like, let's go see Jaws and fit the shit out. I remember. I was exactly like you. And the funny thing about that was that I didn't even mind the humans being eaten by the, the shark, you know, was when the dog got eaten on the beach. That was me done for. And yes, I did not go into the water for years. (laughs) Same. And I grew up on the beach. There was a whole time where I didn't go further than about five feet from shore because I was terrified that Jaws was waiting out there for me. But for the book, (laughs) when I read the book, I read the book probably about 15, 20 years after I saw the movie. Mm -hmm. When I read it, I thought both, while they were... Similar and not the same. I thought both were just amazing as their own entities because Jaws is still uh-huh. best horror films ever made. And definitely, but the book had so much more depth to it and so much more stuff with the characters that I just, and I love the way Peter Benchley writes. I've had some authors, I can't read their stuff no matter how famous they are. Cause I just don't like the way they use words or how they put sentences together. But I liked Peter Benchley. He was easy for me to read because I didn't always read. I started, I didn't really start reading until I was 29. I hated reading growing up unless it was a comic book. If it didn't have drawings, I didn't want to read it. When I was 28 or 29, a friend gave me the book because she knew I was into monsters. And she said, hey, read this. And she gave me interview of the, by the uh, interview of the vampire by Anne Rice. 
and write. And I said, no, nah, I don't want, I don't read. And she's like, I'm telling you, read this. You're going to love this book. And so I was like, all right. And I read it and I loved it. And then it was after that, that I was like, okay, I want to get more. And I don't think her second book was out at the time. I think it had just come out. I went to a secondhand bookstore in Hawaii that was called Jellies. And I bought a whole bunch of horror and fantasy novels for like 50 cents a book. And one of the ones I read was Jaws. It was a, a, probably the third book I ever read when I got older. I don't remember what the second one was. And then I read Jaws and was like, okay, I, I like reading. Because I had read, I read Interview with the Vampire. The second book I read, I think I was like, yeah, that was cool. And then I read Jaws and was like, oh my goodness, that was amazing. And then I read everything by Peter Bench that I could get my hands on as the Anne Rice stuff came out. So, She's fantastic, isn't she? Yeah. Yes. What about passions? Apart from, you know, obviously you're an artist and you draw a lot. Do you have any other things that you do outside your art? Yeah, um, it's still creative. I like building all my own stuff with wood. I like woodworking. I don't do fancy woodworking. I don't carve or do fancy curves. But I built my, I build, I like building all my own bookcases because I like everything custom. Because I have some art books that are just odd size from China. Mm -hmm. They're like super long and super skinny and they don't fit on standard bookshelves. So I build bookshelves for myself. I've built my own computer desk because I wanted it completely custom to the height I wanted, the depth I wanted, how many monitors I could have on it a giant keyboard so that I had room to lay out drawings and stuff while I work. So I like doing that. I like building. There's a, a tabaret. You can see it right here in the corner. That's my, mm -hmm. that's my painting. It's got a giant piece of glass on it. And you can see my paintings in the background. I built that all. Yes, I can't see them all. I built that all custom because I wanted my own custom thing to hold my paints and brushes and solvents and hold canvases it's got drawers and all kinds of stuff that hold canvases other supplies and all kinds of fun stuff for art your desk seems a very special place to be what do you have in it my desk oh it's just my computer desk i've got my i've got a wacom tablet or it's not a wacom it's an intuos or not an intuos it's a huion it's just a small little i can draw on it similar to like i do on an ipad mm -hmm. it's really small about the size of the iPad, and then I've got two monitors, my own keyboard, but then I've got shelves above it that hold, I have like miniature figures. I like a- Soul, Little soldiers. Stuff like this. Yeah, this is uh, Frank, the artist Frank Frazetta's Death Dealer made into a statue. And he's one of my wow. favorite authors of all time. He drew the, all the old Conan books. He was the cover author, or cover artist. Okay. And Frank Frazetta. And is that, do you paint them then? They're pre-painted and everything like that. There, I do have, okay. there are some, war, there's, a, there's a game, tabletop game called Warhammer and they're only little, couple inches tall. Okay. Uh -huh. And I collect those and paint them. I don't play the game, but I love getting the characters and I modify them and I like painting them. Okay. Have you ever hidden like goodies <laughs> in your drawings? Yeah. I think I noticed something on your uh, zombie thing, which I thought was quite cute. What, what, what'd you, what'd you see? I'll tell you if you're right. What was it? Michael Jackson's postures. Yeah. Yeah. When there's a, there's a two page spread where I have all the different types of zombies that kid is thinking about being. And every single one mm -hmm. of them is in a different pose in sequence. I, I got the uh, video and I paused it and I did quick sketches of what Michael was doing in each scene. So the kid, the zombies in each scene are doing the, they're basically doing the thriller dance. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That was so sweet. It's like an extra bonus <laughs> in a book, isn't it? Yeah. I like doing that kind of stuff. I just throw it in for fun. I try to make it related to the subject or, but yeah, that was really fun drawing all those zombies doing that dance. And your other children, how old are them? So you have a 12 year old. I got a. 12 year old, a, well, she's she, actually, she just turned 13. She's 13, a 10 year old and a seven year old. Okay. Yep. And what, so they all draw and what other things do they like? Uh, my kid, they like video games. They're, they're the typical kids these days. They like being on their iPads, playing games and they just discovered their VR 
Someone gave them a VR for one of their birthdays and they just discovered a game they love on it. So they're up here all the time playing on that. Um, besides, is that the Apple VR? No, it's an Oculus. I don't know that much about it. I just know it's neat. Hey, you get in here. Wow, this is pretty cool. Okay, I'm done. I don't need to see this no more. And obviously, you start reading very late. Oh, even as a, a fine artist, you think that the stories are important for children. What do you think they do for them? I think it helps them with their creativity how to deal with situations. There's so many kids books out there now that are so great. I, we read, we tried to make it a habit. No matter how much you make it a habit, you can't do it. But we tried to read to them every night before bed. And we were probably 75 to 80% successful. There were just some nights it's like, nah, sorry, not doing it tonight. But we tried to make it sure. a, a habit to read before bed. And so we were always getting um, new picture books from the uh, bookstore all the time. And we'd ask, you know, friends and family, oh, what do the kids want for birthdays or whatever? Like picture books, please send picture books. And I was very picky. I was like, unless I like the art, we're not, we're not getting it. I got my wife to do it. She knew I'm a, I was a little bit of a picture book art snob. So I had to think it was nice. And I just, I was some, every, and everyone had a different style, but there were books I opened. I was like, nope, I don't like that art. And then others I opened, I'm like, oh, let's get this just for the art. And so we'd read them whatever, but we tried to read them picture books every night. And who is your favorite children's book illustrator? Do you have one? Oh yeah, Jane Chapman. She drew. She was the artist for all Karma Wilson's books. The uh, um, the bear, the, the bear, bears loose tooth, bear, bear stays up. We we had the entire bear collection. The kids still every once in a while love to read those. Excellent. But what is it about her drawings that you love so much about? <clears throat> They have, I don't know, a detailed looseness to them where she's, it's just simple lines, but they feel detailed and her color use was just, I love the color unit. She, she, the way she did things and how she was able to balance such bright colors against neutral and darker colors and just make everything vibrant and harmonious. And I just loved it. It was, it's just something that from the beginning, I was like, oh my God, I love her art. Her art's amazing. And I've tried to copy some yeah. of her stuff before, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. She's, she's, she's a master at it. I thought they were, uh, you know, the, the bear, the details on the faces, even though, like you say, they are simple strokes. The expressions are wonderful. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. If, um, if your life had, was a book, what would be the title of it? Oh, goodness gracious. I'm not sure. I don't, I, you know, I don't think of myself in that way. I don't think of myself as a book or a story. But you obviously are many stories. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, and I love telling stories, but um, oh, I really don't. No, really... I tell you why I ask is I never know, you know, how people would like to be represented. So I devised this question, which is, really based on I'm the other way around I already knew what my life was called before I ever thought of writing the memoirs so I love photography I trained as a filmmaker I worked in film like yourself so I call it light shadow in ink that's why there is light shadow in ink everywhere where I am and I thought that would be a nice question to ask the guest because I can use that to be the title of their podcast so that yeah. I don't have to come up with the time. If you asked me, I actually kind of was thinking a little bit, not about what I would call my a title of my book, but I've been thinking a little bit about stuff like this and I would probably call it failing up because I failing up, failing up. Yeah. Cause I'm always telling my kids, don't be afraid to fail. I fail constantly. I tell them it's because I, my youngest gets very bent out of shape when he sits down to draw. And his drawing doesn't look like daddy, doesn't look like sissies, doesn't look like brothers. He knows what he wants to draw. And he's a fantastic little artist. But if it's not exactly what his brain is picturing, he gets very upset. So I'm always telling him, it's okay not to have it right. I say, I got sketchbooks full of junk drawings, pages full of junk drawings. I got a hard drive full of junk painting. It's okay. It's okay because you're going to learn every time you do something, messing up messing up and failing. As long as every time you learn a little bit of a lesson and you fail up, it's okay. So 
I try to do that a lot. I'm always learning. I always take in a new course or trying to find something new to learn on YouTube when it comes to art or writing. And I've been an artist for 20 years and I still probably don't know near what I would like to. So I'm always learning and there's always something new to learn. I find new techniques or new styles or new mediums all the time that I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I want to try that. Of course, don't always have all the time in the world to try something new. Yes, it's time, isn't it? Well, you know, that is a, a wonderful message about the failing up. It's an absolute must that children should know that it's okay to fail. I find it quite, quite a wonderful message. So I'll tell you, and, I mess up and fail all the time, but I always try to make sure I'm coming out on top or at least learn something. Do I want to continue doing this? is or not and if i do then it's like okay then i gotta keep learning which is similar to like right now i'm trying to learn how to market my books i'm terrible at it i couldn't write an email to save my life but i'm hey, i'm we'll help you. trying i'm trying to learn and i just keep learning more and more and more and i'm getting better and better and i got a book launch that this is going to be the first real book launch that i'm going to put some serious effort into and we'll see how it goes and i'll hopefully learn from it so that because i've already got the sequel written for this book and a short story and I've already got the final planned. And as soon as I get my sequel edited, I'll start that book. And I got more I want to write. I've got several almost completed, ready for the first round of edits. And so when I launch this book, I'm going to see what works. You know, I've taken a lot of classes, talked to a lot of people on the, the network that we're on. I've messaged, yes. I've messaged some of the mentors and asked for a little bit of, you know, hey, what I'm about to do this. What do you think? And they've given me some great pointers. And Will it all work for me? I don't know. I've had to decide what I think will work for me and I'm going to try it and we'll see where it goes. So hopefully in a few months, I'll be able to report that I sold more than five books on opening day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What was the best advice that you got so far? I was talking to, oh goodness, I can't think of her name offhand, but I asked her for some, when you have a pre-order, what are some good bonuses that like, I didn't want to do something gimmicky. I was trying to think of like, well, you know, I didn't want to do bookmarks. A lot of people do bookmarks and I'm kind of like a digital bookmark. I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. So I don't want to do that. Not that it won't work for someone else. So there's people who want it, but it wasn't a thing for me. So I had to ask her, Hey, what could I do? And she gave me some great ideas for using my art that I'm not. So for middle grade monster hunter, I drew out all the characters, but none of the arts in the book. I just drew those for my own. When I was designing the cover. I was drawing all the characters, mm -hmm. trying to decide what I wanted to do with them. And it was kind of my idea what the characters were. And she said, well, you, you have all that? I said, yeah. She goes, you could use those as a pre-order bonus where they could get all the character art and where you can have like a, you'll have to add a little bit of like, this is a little bit about them and their name and stuff. And I was like, well, that's a great idea. Cause I know a lot of, that is fantastic. yeah. Cause I, there's some books that I've pre-ordered because they came with a specific piece of digital art on the side that was exclusive. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. I'll get that. So I thought that works for me. Yes. I never thought of it for myself, but when she gave me that advice, I thought, oh, that's perfect. Yes. The marketing is difficult, isn't it? But anyway, hopefully people will listen to the podcast. When, when is the launch date? Um, I'm hoping to have, I just released the cover reveal. I have still mm -hmm. not finalized the launch date. I'm trying to decide if I want to do it in early October or mid-October. Oh, because of Halloween. Yeah, because it's it to be right out just in time for Halloween. So I'm just, as soon as I have enough stuff prepared and I'm ready to put the book up, I'm waiting for a couple more things to put into the book to finish so that I can upload it and everything and have it ready to go. But I'm going to sell it only digitally and exclusively from my website at first. And I kind of have a second launch period where I'm going to do it on Amazon. And then a third launch period where I'll have, after those have gone, then I'll have the paperback and hardcover come out. But at first, it's just going to okay. be just digital, just the ebook. Oh, that is part of your strategy. Yep. Yep. Okay. Wonderful. So I'm, pl I'm planning all my bonuses and everything right now. And hopefully I can get that all nailed down this week. And then I can finalize a date in the next couple of weeks and I can make an announcement on my, my website. Okay. And so do you think that's the way it's going to go? Because I have my own shop, um, you know, so I can do that 
as well. Do you, do you think you will always sell from your website or will you eventually have your own shop? What do you mean my own shop versus a website? I opened a shop in Shopify. Yeah, I have a Shopify store. That's, that's where I'm going to sell directly from. Oh, yeah. okay. So it comes from your website, but it's the Shopify shop that shows up on your website. Yes, yes. So it's a Shopify store. On, and so the first, the first phase of the launch will be from my website. And then I'll, and then I'll offer the ebook on Amazon. And then I'll, then I'll offer the paperback in the hardcover later on. And they'll be available everywhere. I'm going to go wide. I've, I tried the exclusive to Amazon. It's not working for me. So on this one, I'm going to try wide and see how it works, see if it works any better. And did you think of audiobooks? Yes. For my first two children's books, I have audiobooks. But this one is right now, okay. it's a little out of my price range to get a good audiobook done. So I'm contemplating working on one myself, recording it myself and seeing how that works out. But right now I'm just, uh -huh. I'm still trying to get everything ready. I don't have time to sit down and start trying to course an audio book at this point. Right. Absolutely. You, you're too busy. But anyway, it will be out surely by Halloween. It will be out. Yes. And I'm sure I can schedule the podcast, you know, a week before or after Halloween. It will be, I think I have two others to release before yours. Okay. And at the moment, I'm doing every couple of weeks. So it will be close enough to October, I think. Oh, well, it'll definitely be available by then. So By Halloween. Yeah. Kai, it has been a real pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet Thank you very much to come and talk to me at the Little Pages League. It has been a pleasure to meet you. And I'll keep an eye out for... Halloween time, I will sign up for your website and I'm sure you have an Amazon page, isn't it? Yes. I'm, yeah, I have, a, I have all that. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, have a rest of a wonderful day and thank you again. You too. All right. Oh, my pleasure. Nice bye to bye. meet you. You take care. Bye. You too. See you later. Bye-bye. Did you know that only 24% of people subscribe to the podcasts they listen to? Hit the bell icon to stay updated. And if you love the content, let others discover the podcast by leaving a review. Your support is crucial and very much appreciated. Thank you for listening.